If you could see the journey whole, you might never undertake it, might never dare the first step that propels you from the place you have known toward the place you know not. Call it one of the mercies of the road that we see it only by stages as it opens before us, as it comes into our keeping, step by single step. These are the opening lines of a poem by Jan Richardson, which is entitled, For Those Who Have Far to Travel, An Epiphany Blessing. And it's about the journey of the Magi. I posted this poem on Facebook on January the 11th, 2020, just a little over a year ago, on the day of our celebration of a new journey, where Bishop Shin came to St. Peter's to commission us in this new season. We were just a few tender months um, into our church revitalization as this group of us uh, came to join the existing congregations here at St. Peter's um, and also new, new people like Joel and Nick and Aaron Lee and the Schultzes and others uh, were just starting to come. And we would have never have imagined or foreseen what would unfold in the next few months for our world. Um, our nation, um, our loved ones, ourselves. If you could see the journey whole, you might never undertake it, might never dare the first step that propels you from the place you have known toward the place you know not. As I read Mark 1, our gospel reading for today, I can't help but wonder if the first disciples may have had the same thought. If they could have seen the journey whole, would they have dared to take that first step? I find it providential that on uh, the Sunday um, of our annual meeting that this should be our gospel reading of Jesus' calling of the first disciples. Um, I'm going to ask Brenna to screen share uh, a photo. Um, so this is a site that's familiar to some of you and not to many of us who've never seen it before. It's currently in storage, but this is a stained glass window that should be right in this direction, and it's, it's not there because it's in storage. Um, so this isn't a great photo. It's a little blurry, but it depicts this very scene. Um, and you can make out, sort of, or maybe you can't, at the very bottom, underneath Jesus' feet, it says, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. And in this image is the call and vocation of St. Peter's Chelsea. Follow me and I will make you fishers of people. When St. Peter's loses sight of this call, that's when we have lost our way. So Mark is the gospel of action. There's a lot happening in these first 13 verses. We've got John the Baptist preaching repentance and preparing the way for Jesus. We've got the baptism of Jesus and the Spirit descending on him like a dove. We've got Satan tempting Jesus in the wilderness. And then in verse 14, it says, Now after John was arrested, Jesus came to Galilee proclaiming the good news of God and saying, The time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe in the good news. And this message is a declaration of the inbreaking of God's kingdom into the world with the coming of Jesus. And this time that's being fulfilled is not chronological time, but it's called kairos time. 
It means the opportune time, the opportune moment, the moment that we've all been waiting for. Like that uh, beloved Christmas carol says that the hopes and fears of all the years are met in thee tonight. That's what that means. And when Jesus steps onto the scene, things start to happen. People are healed. The blind see, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, the lame walk, sinners are forgiven, demons are cast out. It's Isaiah 61 in full color when it says, the spirit of the sovereign Lord is on me because the Lord has anointed me to preach good news to the poor, to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim release from darkness for the, for the prisoner and freedom for the captives, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. The kingdom of God is wherever Jesus is active, loving, liberating, restoring, reconciling people to God. And this good news that the kingdom of God has come in Jesus is so powerful, so compelling, so potent that it calls forth and demands a response from all who hear. And so Jesus says, repent and believe the good news. And that word repent is metanoia, which literally means think differently after. It's a change of mind that involves a change of life, this radical reorientation towards the person and the work of Jesus for the sake of the world. So then Mark continues by saying, as Jesus passed along the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and his brother Andrew casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And Jesus said to them, follow me and I will make you fish for people. And immediately they left their nets and followed him. As, they went, as he went a little further, he saw James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John, who were in their boat mending the nets. Immediately he called them and they left their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired men and followed him. And I want to draw our attention to these two phrases, follow me and fishers of people. What does it mean to follow Jesus? Well, the force um, in the original Greek is come, exclamation point, after me. And immediately they left their nets and follow him. I mean, I don't know about you, but that seems really quick. And I'm kind of left wondering, had they even heard of Jesus before this point? I don't know. Um, did they have any discussion with their families? We don't know. What we do know is that there is something so compelling about Jesus and his call that they left everything and followed him. My take on this story is not that following Jesus is about this one big decisive moment to follow and then it's all just smooth sailing from that point forward. Because we know just from reading the rest of the gospels that after they left everything to follow him, that they often failed. They doubted, they lacked courage, they strayed, and finally, in Jesus' darkest hour when he needed them the most, they abandoned him. And what this story, I think, gives us a snapshot of is what life with Jesus and following him entails. That to follow Jesus is to choose to follow him again and again and again. And that each time it is getting free enough to quote unquote leave our nets, whatever that may be, at any given moment to follow where he leads. Are we free enough to follow him step by single step? 
Or are we encumbered by our need for certainty, our reputations, our aversion to risk, our fear of failure, like the things that we cling to for security and comfort? So a few years ago, um, I was on my way uh, to my church, and I was in a hurry, um, and I was trying to get off of uh, the bus, and in front of me, there was this elderly woman who was moving very, very slowly. And I know many of you are New Yorkers, so you know there's nothing that drives New Yorkers more crazy than people who walk really slowly. And so as I rushed past her, um, suddenly I heard these words two words, sun and sorrow. And it just, it kind of, it kind of struck me really hard. But I, I heard it, but then I, I just dismissed it because I was in a hurry um, and I needed to catch a train. And like, what, else, what was I supposed to do with that anyway? Was I supposed to say something to her? Like, what if I was wrong? She might think that I was, I was nuts. But then after I got onto the one train, I just, as I sat there, I felt this nagging sense of, you know, what if that was God? What if that was the Holy Spirit, like prompting me and wanting this woman to know that God saw, saw her sorrow, you know, and, and how that related to her son? Like, how might that have comforted her in that moment? And I chickened out because I didn't want to look stupid and because I was in a hurry. I just felt such regret as I sat on the train. Well, that Sunday, I mentioned that story um, in my sermon, and I remember unexpectedly getting really choked up in that moment. So just a few mornings later, I was walking down that same spot on 145th Street towards the one train on my way to church, and in front of me, I see this elderly woman. I wasn't sure if it's the same one or not, but she had that same slow kind of walk and shuffle that made me rush past her the first time. And um, I wasn't sure, and I was in a rush, so as I passed her, I heard those two words again, like sun and sorrow. And in my mind, I was like, okay, I think I'm just hearing that because I feel guilty about the last time. And I almost pushed it away again, but then I stopped myself and I said, okay, I'm not going to let this chance pass me by again, you know, even if I'm wrong. You know, I want to learn how to hear Jesus' voice and respond to it. And if I keep on pushing it away, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to even more so lose my capacity to hear his voice. And so I stopped her, and I told her what I heard. And I asked her if she had a son, and she said, yes, but he died. And she told me the story about how he died in 2000 from heart and kidney failure and a whole host of other health issues. And she was still, of course, carrying that grief in her heart. And I was able to pray for her, like right there in front of the McDonald's on 145th Street and Broadway, and to let her know that God saw her sorrow over her son and that her son was in the presence of Jesus. And now that they are both waiting for her, she gave me a big hug with, with tears in, our, in her eyes before we parted ways. And that first time, I heard Jesus calling me to follow him into this moment, you know, to be his hands and feet to this woman, to step out and take a risk of love, and I didn't. But he's so persistent, you know, such a good and loving shepherd who doesn't give up on us. And he gave me another chance to, quote unquote, leave my net, you know, my fear of looking stupid in front of somebody, and immediately to follow him. 
And so this morning, you know, what are those nets for you? What might those nets be for us as a church? And can we choose today to leave those behind and follow him? The second thing is, what does it mean to be fishers of people? Like, I've never really understood what that phrase means. I never really gotten that metaphor. It literally says fishers of men, you know, like our stained glass window says. But obviously, it's not referring just to men, but to people. Now, on one hand, to be a fisher of people um, sounds kind of ominous. Because what is fishing? When you fish, you're luring this poor, hungry fish, like little Nemo that just wants to eat something, with a worm on a hook. And when he starts to nibble, you're like, aha, I got you dinner tonight. You know, it's, that's where we get the phrase, the old bait and switch from. Well, shortly after I arrived at St. Peter's, um, I was reading Luke 5 about the miraculous catch of fish. And I'm going to read it to you uh, quickly. It says, once while Jesus was standing beside the lake of Gennesaret and the crowd was pressing in on him to hear the word of God, he saw two boats there at the shore of the lake. He got into one of the boats and this is a key phrase, the one belonging to Simon, and asked him to put out a little way from the shore. Then he sat down and taught the crowds from the boat. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into the deep water and let your nets down for a catch. Simon answered, Master, we have worked all night long but have caught nothing. Yet if you say so, I will let down the nets. And when they had done this, they caught so many fish that their nets were beginning to break. So they signaled to their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled both boats so that they began to sink. And when Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees, saying, Go away from me, Lord. I am a sinful man. For he and all who were with him were amazed at the catch of fish that they had taken. And so also were James and John, sons of Zebedee, who were partners with Simon. Then Jesus said to Simon, Do not be afraid. From now on, you will be catching people. When they had brought their boats to shore, they left everything and followed him. So especially in those first early days at St. Peter's, like anything that had to do with Peter, the disciple, it always caught my eye because I do believe that the namesake of a church has something to do with that church's vocation and call. And it's said that Jesus got into Peter's boat. And as I read this passage, I just felt this prayer rising up in me for us here at St. Peter's. And I wrote it down in my journal. Lord, Come into our boat. Sit down and teach us. Tell us what to do, where to let down our nets. Let us experience your miraculous power, who you are, and come to conviction. Amaze us with the catch of fish. Let us hear your voice calling us to be fishers of people, to leave everything and to follow you. And when I read this story, and as I felt that prayer rising in me, what I realized is that this story, as is every story involving an encounter with Jesus, is Jesus fishing for people. And not to lure them in in order to devour them, but to free them, 
to restore them, to heal them, to forgive them, to bring them back to who God has called and created them to be, to bring God's world back to what God intended and created for it to be. And that is worth leaving everything for, to follow Jesus into that future. And that's what it means to be a fisher of people. To follow Jesus and to be a fisher like he is, is not for the faint of heart. And so notice that this passage begins with the words, now after John was arrested. And it literally says, after John was handed over, after he was delivered up. If those words sound familiar, it's because they're the words that are used to describe Jesus's crucifixion. We haven't celebrated the Eucharist together in a very long time, but you might remember there are these words um, that I always say every week. On the night he was handed over to suffering and death. And what those words say to us is that they remind us that to follow Jesus is to follow him into death. Sometimes physical death, literal death. More often, it's death of a thousand different kinds, you know, big and small. But as Christians, we know that death is not the end, but that it is the necessary path that leads to life. And because of that, we can say with Jesus, not my will, but your will be done. Not our will, but your will be done. And that is what makes us free to follow, free to love, free to fight for what's right, whatever that might entail unencumbered by anything that might hinder us from following Jesus wherever he leads into whatever lies ahead. I'll close with this. We just kicked off our care group uh, last Wednesday, which is centered all around doing the inner work that we need to do so that we can do the outer work of racial healing and justice. And we're reading Howard Thurman's uh, book, Jesus and the Disinherited, which I have only um, been exposed to in more recent years. Um, Howard Thurman, along with um, other civil rights activists who are not quite as well known as, as Dr. King, like Fannie Lou Hamer, who is um, someone that I've, I'm, I'm so intrigued and inspired by. And some of you may have heard of her before. But she was born in Mississippi, and she's the youngest of 20 children. And the um, author and theologian, Jamar Tisby, who's working on a book about her theology, writes, from an American standpoint, she had every strike against her from the moment she took her first breath. She was poor, black, and a woman in the deep south. She was picking cotton by the time she was six and could only attain a sixth grade education before working full time in the fields. She got involved with the movement and in 1963, white officers put Hamer and her companions in jail on trumped up charges. There she endured a vicious and life altering beating and she was never the same again. But like the one that she followed, her suffering did not end in tragedy, but it became her testimony. And she told the story of her beating as part of an effort to gain seats for the Mississippi Freedom Democratic Party. And she dedicated her life to serving the poor in Mississippi. And she started a, a farming co-op and a, a pig bank in order to help um, black sharecroppers. She was a fisher of people, you know, casting her nets and drawing people into an encounter with Jesus, the love of God as shown in Christ in real and tangible ways. 
And it was her love for Jesus that was the source of her activism and her strength. And that gave her a strength and a hope and a courage that enabled her to continue on in spite of the danger, in spite of the risk, living and loving and fighting until the day that she died, far too early. I just love this quote, you know, where she says, and you get a sense of her spirit, where she says, sometimes it seems like to tell the truth today is to run the risk of being killed. But if I fall, I'll fall five feet four inches forward in the fight for freedom. I am not backing off. St. Peter's, would that we could be like her and to have her spirit. You know, like Peter and Andrew and James and John, these imperfect disciples who ended up following Jesus to the very end. If they could have seen the first step, they might not have ever taken it. But they followed and failed and kept following and failing until one day, the next step that they took took them from this life to the next. And now they're part of this great cloud of witnesses that is cheering us on to take the next step and the next step as this journey unfolds in stages before us. So we don't know what 2020 is gonna look like and what lies before us, but we do know the one that they followed. He's not locked up in this stained glass window that I showed you a picture of. It's not about the window. It's about the one that that window depicts, the one who is alive and risen and walks among us by his spirit and bids us to follow him. Lord, come into our boat. Sit down and teach us. Tell us what to do, where to let down our nets. Let us experience your miraculous power who you are and come to conviction. Amaze us with the catch of fish. Let us hear your voice calling us like Fanny, like the first disciples, to be fishers of people, to leave everything and follow you. For love of you, Jesus, for the sake of your kingdom, we pray. May it be so. Amen.